Hey everyone, welcome to the Rumors Book Club. I'm Kyle and I am joined by my co-host Christine. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about The White Heart of Mojave by Edna Brush Perkins. But first, Christine, do you have any updates for us? Yeah, you know, it's been it's been a couple months, a little longer than we would have hoped to uh, jump back into the podcast, but we've been traveling a bit. We have been traveling a bit, and this is a huge book, too, oh, 120 pages. So many pages. It's a small font. Well, tell people about our travels. Uh, well, we went to, I guess this was back in June, we went down to a little town outside Julian, which itself is a little town, but we stayed in an earthbag hut in Ranchita. In California. In California, in San Diego County. Okay. And we went hiking around there. We went to this really cool rock that looked like a giant eagle and hiked through Warner Springs, which is along the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm-hmm. And then, fast forward a few, a month later, we were all the way up also on the Pacific Crest Trail in Oregon at Crater Lake National Park. We pretty much did the entire Pacific we Crest did. Trail. We skipped all of it, but we did parts, those parts, yeah. And then we were at the Timberline Lodge uh, near Mount Hood and saw a ton of PCT hikers who were waiting for the buffet. Apparently, it's a it's something that all the hikers do up there is stop at Timberline Lodge for the buffet. Yeah, they were waiting for it to open at 8 a.m., There were probably about 25 hikers, I think, and they all piled in when the doors open. And also, they had a scent to them. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they smelled like hard work. The unbathed. (laughs) Like hard work, I'm sure. But that was cool. And then, um, completely unrelated to the PCT or far from it. Uh, I also went to Sedona for a bachelorette party, and while that may not sound very adventurous or um, nature-filled, Sedona is gorgeous, and we did a Jeep tour through the Coconino National Forest. And Sedona is also desert, correct? Sedona is desert. And we are going to be talking about the desert today. Well, should we dive into our book? Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, do you want to get started or should I get started? You can get started. No, why don't you get started? I bet you did a bunch of research on the author, so maybe you could give us some context. Oh, okay. I knew it. Well, I did go down a bit of a rabbit hole trying to figure out who this woman was because she did not really talk about herself all that much in the book. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a short biography at the end. Do you want to say what this woman's name is? Yeah, her name is Edna Brush Perkins. She was born March 25th, 1880 in Cleveland, Ohio. She came from an affluent family. Uh, She got married at 25 years old to Roger Griswold Perkins, um, an MD, a doctor. I think he was a bacteriologist bacteriologist Bacteriologist? yes Uh, she had four children over the course of eight years from 1905 to 1913 but uh, perhaps more importantly or more interestingly she was a very active suffragist and she worked towards 
getting the right to vote for women, at the time only white women, the the 19th Amendment uh, in 1920. Hmm. And that at that point, she said, uh, okay, we need a vacation. We got the right to vote. Now let's all go was a lot away. Of, yeah, a lot of hard work. She's now 40 years old. And she and her uh, friend, who is also a suffragist, all, you know, about the same age, also had children. They decided to go to California for a vacation, mm-hmm. uh, which this book is about. I mean, I, should I go on and kind of say what happened next in her life? You mean after the book? Yeah. Sure. Okay. If you think it's pertinent. Well, I think it is interesting. So the book was published in 1922. A few years later, she and her, her, her friend, Charlotte, the same friend that was in Death Valley with her, they traveled to Algeria and she wrote another travelogue about the Saharan Desert, which was published in 1925. She unfortunately passed away at only 50 years old. So um, pretty young. And I could not find out how old she or how she died. Mm. Yeah, pretty young. That's pretty good to knock out two books two in 10 books, years. The right to vote, four children. Um, apparently her father was raised with very traditional Victorian beliefs. So her father thought that Edna's place was in the home. And so this book, even though she was in her 40s, is a bit of a rebellion against those Victorian beliefs and the perception or society's perception of what women should be doing at the time. Yeah, I have a funny feeling her father probably also wasn't pro-voting for women either. I don't know. I don't know. Now, her friend, Charlotte Hannah's Jordan... She also had a few kids. She actually got divorced in 1931, which I imagine was pretty rare for the time. Mm -hmm. But she lived to be almost 100 years old. She died in 1981. But didn't write any books herself? Uh, No, she was not a writer herself. Just along for the ride. Okay, well, that's... So that's what I was able to figure out about Edna. That is interesting that you mentioned it. She didn't talk about herself very much. I don't know. This book to me was a little bit more subtle than some of the other books that we've read. Subtle in what way? Well, comparing it to, let's say, Wild by Cheryl Strayed, Wild was about her like internal journey, mm-hmm. right? With the nature and the trail and... Uh, the wilderness as kind of a, a backdrop and a bit of its own character. But and th- I think as a catharsis. Right. And this, you know, nature in the desert was also a catharsis in a way, I think, for her, uh, for Edna. But there wasn't any internal struggle discussed. No deep spiritual seeking. No, that we saw in like The Snow Leopard by Peter Mathiason. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. So it was really her experience and perception of the desert rather than reflection on her own life or her own struggles. 
I guess you got some of that at the beginning when they were talking about their why, kind of their why for traveling to Death Valley yeah, and how they ended up with that destination. But other than that, it was pretty, pretty light on the personal. Yeah, that's interesting because she, I imagine it was a tough fight to help get voting rights and a lot of work and a lot of struggling and kind of a lot of confrontation so the fact that she was just like i need a vacation maybe that's enough maybe she maybe the struggle was over and she didn't have to have this big awakening of some sort i also thought that her writing style was a little more like a travel blogger Mm -hmm. sort of explaining what this place was like rather than saying this is why I'm here this is why I'm doing it it was much more like uh, a step below scientific for sure do you feel like you know what her personality is no not really not at all me neither that's what I mean like it maybe even travel blogger isn't the right maybe even before that what like a almost like a triple a guide for the Mojave Desert yeah and I don't I also don't know what Charlotte's personality was. Charlotte was barely there. It was just like, we had to go up this hill. We did the, it was just we. Right. And that's, I didn't know anything about Charlotte. You kind of got some descriptions of the old timers, the desert rats that Mm -hmm. they came across in Death Valley. And of course, their guide who helped them get through the their whole travels but not a lot of focus on people did you like that or did you not like that for me I felt like that was kind of missing but I did I did come across uh (laughs) this is some deep internet sleuthing I did come across a University of Montana thesis Uh uh by a person I forget the name of the person but they they wrote this their whole thesis about uh feminism and nature and at this time period feminism and the west yeah and using this book as one of the examples but what's the thesis what is the thesis of feminism in the west well i did write some things here this person talked about how edna had this opposition between Walls and houses, kind of containment cities, and those were symbols of a male-centered civilization. And then Mm. the outdoors were more closely associated with women. Mother Earth. I mean, this is almost creating a bit of a, a metaphor. And again, who knows if this was her intent. But throughout the book, she refers to nature in the desert as a woman and often the woman is more powerful than the man. So nature more powerful than civilization, kind of suggesting that men are incapable of overing power of overpowering nature mm-hmm. or women. And this nature feminist argument that women are closer to nature. And instead of that being disempowering, it's instead promoting an association that association as enriching, liberating, 
and there's both there's a high value for both women and nature. Did you get that sense when you were reading the book? I did I didn't, but now that I read that interpretation of it, I can see it. Well, interesting. You wouldn't know unless you heard it from the author themselves. I did think That's the tough part. There was one interesting piece in the book where she is writing from the perspective of the desert. Mm-hmm. You remember that? It kind of sticks out as something a little bit Yeah, I had strange. to go back at that point because it was like, quote, in quotes, and I was like, who's she <laughs> quoting here? And right. That, is she quoting herself? And then, yeah, I had to reread that part. So that was her imagination of the desert saying all those things. And the desert being a woman in that... Um, kind of monologue from the desert she being the desert is talking about all these things that she is Mm -hmm. and it was a way of demonstrating that women are multifaceted and can be both dangerous and beautiful and um that there can be a, a range of roles and identities for women Mm, sounds like the siren song but that is something i had as one of her themes and i can read a couple and the first is on page 27 when she said the very characteristics which make the desert dramatic and beautiful make it terrible for mankind to overcome and there was this theme of beauty and terrible throughout the book Another place was on 77. While we sat and waited, the enchantment of sunset began. The sky became orange and green. The terrible valley that we loved and hated began to put on its sapphire robe. The sulfurous walls that poisoned the snake turned pink. The poisonous blue eye, too blue, too bright, softened. The enchanter almost had us by the throats again, ready to choke us until tears came in our eyes. When two shots split the spell. Whew. And so you think that's a woman. (laughs) Well, that was one of the, yeah. The theories. That was one of the theories. I did find that interesting in the book, though. The juxtaposition of terrible and beauty all at once. And I think that's something that is a common theme, whether it's stated or not. In most of the books we've read where there's almost this sense that you could die in these settings, but it's also so beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if the person's thesis is also skewed in a way because it was primarily only men in the desert anyway. What do you mean? Well, you said the thesis is about the desert being beautiful and it represents a woman Uh and it... Uh-huh. eats men alive or something along those lines and that's what the desert does so you know if you if there were female desert rats maybe the desert would be eating them alive too i guess so but i think the thesis was more like big picture an association between society and civil civilization being dominated by men mm-hmm. and in those spaces it was really difficult for women to have power And so the home was seen as being confining. And therefore, the outdoors was more about freedom and, 
you know, there were a, several points in the book where they had an option of being in a tent or being in a shack and they were like, no, we, we don't want that. Mm-hmm. And it was more rejecting, I think, what are often man-made walls back then that kept women inside. That's an interesting take. Well, another theme that I found that jumped out to me is the vastness of it all. Mm-hmm. Maybe that goes yeah. hand in hand. She really talked a lot. And again, this compares to other authors that we've read where a lot of authors talk about the details that they're seeing. And she talked about how you don't even notice the details because you're so focused on the expanse of the horizon. You can never take your eyes off the sky. And mm-hmm. it's all big picture in the desert. Yeah, there there was a, an evolution to the story um, to this book that I think we got in some of the other books too, where at the beginning they arrive at Death Valley and they see it in its expansiveness and they have that kind of first look moment, mm-hmm. which is kind of similar to how it is today even, where you arrive, you go to the big vistas, you look out and you you, you think you see it all, but you really don't. Yeah. Until you start getting into its nooks and crannies, like a delicious English muffin. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Mojave Desert, (laughs) the English muffin (laughs) of nature. But then at the end, she talks about kind of crawling back out of Death Valley and looking back on it and having a better understanding of the environment, the place, and she said what had been a picture was now a living experience. And I identify that with that too because once you've really had a trip mm-hmm. <laughs> in a place and you've gotten down on the floor and gone through canyons and smelled things, heard things, saw things move, then when you kind of zoom back out, even the, the big picture you look at differently. Does that make sense? That makes sense, yeah. So there was a bit As of As in a- there's a lot going on. Yeah. Even though it looks still, it looks dead, it looks vast. Right. There's a ton going on. And you on. think you see everything, but you really don't. You're just seeing a fraction of it, really. Right. And I think that happened to them, too, when you know they were also moving at a very different pace. And she talked about how they were in a... A wagon, like an old dairy wagon or something? they were just, some of the details maybe I didn't pick up, but it sounded like maybe they were walking with the wagon a lot rather than actually riding in the wagon. They were definitely moving at a walking pace. Right. And it was just an old burrow and maybe an old desert horse. A horse, yeah. And they weren't really strong enough to carry all three people and a month's worth of supplies Mm -hmm. so they would take turns walking especially if they were going uphill and this is something that is really special about death valley is that you can be on the floor of the valley 280 feet below sea level something like that burning up and you can also be in the mountains in the panamint mountains with snow and it's this fascination of seeing the highest and the lowest, the H and L, as she put it, 
and it can be grueling at all stages, right? For different reasons. Right. Basically two inhospitable environments butting up against each other. Yeah. And I liked her description of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, of the mountains having the their feet in the desert and then their tips, you know, in the sky, basically. Their their points in the sky. And, you know, she she and Charlotte, they must have been pretty gutsy because they looked at those mountains. They had been looking at them for weeks when they were traveling around and they said, we want to go to the top. Yeah, they climbed Mount Baldy. I, okay, on that point, I think what they're calling Mount Baldy is something else than what we know Mount Baldy as. Oh, because, so, I climbed Mount Baldy last year. In the San Gabriel Mountains. I I don't know where I was. I went out to Mount Baldy and I went up it. Yeah. And it's a high mountain in Southern California. But when I was reading the book, I was like... I didn't realize it was right next to the Mojave no. Desert. That scene, I didn't realize the Mojave expanded that far. No, I think okay. that's something else because Telescope Peak is the tallest peak in in the Panamint Mountains in Death Valley, and they didn't make it there. They had they had kind of tried, but turned so around because it was Baldy too risky. Was something else. I think now it's called bennett peak or something else yeah okay all right well that clarifies some (laughs) things because also going along with the vastness of it i had no idea where they were at any point i didn't look Mm -hmm. at a map but i also kind of felt like it wasn't important knowing Mm. like where they were and that kind of goes with the vastness of it all Mm -hmm. but that is the one time when I was like, whoa, where's Mount Baldy in relationship to the desert? Right. I think that was a misnomer or the name had changed over the years. But um, I actually did recognize almost every place she talked about because mm-hmm. very recently, my good friend Katie and I, <laughs> it was just the two of us yeah. and we had kind of a similar experience Katie coming from the east coast was warned by people like oh are you sure you want to do that are you going to have enough food enough water what happens if your car breaks down um, and she was like not to worry Christine worries about everything <laughs> I was the worrier yeah um, and that's a that's a callback to Edna and Charlotte's guide because they called him the official warrior or the mm-hmm. warrior for short. And, uh, yeah, I, I brought a lot of cans of water. Cans? Well, what do you call those large jug Jerry, things? Yeah, jerry cans. But because we rented one of the Jeeps within the park and traveled all around the park, almost every place they went to, we went to. In a weekend. And then some. Yeah. Like they didn't go to the Eureka Sand Dunes, which is one of my favorite places in the park. And why is that? It was probably too out of the way and they didn't know where it was. No. Why was it one of your favorite places in the park? (laughs) Oh, because there were so few people there. It is hard to get to. So there were, it was very much off the beaten track for most of the visitors and the sand dunes are massive. They're much bigger than the mesquite sand dunes that most people go to, which is closer to 
like Furnace Creek and the other stovepipe Close wells. Close to the main road. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Walkable from the main road. Um, the, How high are we talking? Ballpark, do you think? Oh, I want to say 300 feet. Okay, that sounds like a big sand dune to me. I should look it up, though. Okay. Can we can we pause? Okay, you've looked it up. How tall are they? Okay, they're 680 feet above the dry lake bed. So much taller than the mesquite sand dunes. And they are a bear to walk up as well. How high are the mesquite sand dunes? 100 feet. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a huge difference. So, but other places where they went that I uh, recognized, they they went to the Keen Wonder Mine, mm-hmm. which was an abandoned mine, um, and there are still pieces of that mine that Is are that there. Is that the one that she was describing, the kilns that were No. Still okay. Those were the charcoal kilns. Those are near Wild Rose Canyon. Mm-hmm. So, Katie and I did camp in um, that canyon up around that way. It was a campground actually free to camp there and it was very cold uh, because it's at higher elevation Mm. but we didn't make it to the charcoal kilns oh okay no we decided "Eh, let's that's one of the sorry i interrupted where where else uh rhyolite which was a an old town uh mining town and uh edna predicted that the town would disappear and it's still there. People? No, people oh, are not okay. there, but the the remnants because it's become like the Keen Wonder Mine and the charcoal kilns. It's become kind of a protected space. As in people can't go in there or what do you mean it's a protected space? It's like a historical site. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But all the passes that she mentioned, um the Funeral Mountains, the Panamint Mountains, Salt Creek, uh, that was really cool, although, and she, she she camped out there, but she didn't mention the pupfish at Salt Creek. I thought she did, though, when she was on top of Mount Baldy. Uh-huh. She mentioned the little fish swimming down. She, she kind of mentioned, like, seeing all of this from above, mm. and she mentioned, she didn't mention the pupfish specifically, but she did mention fish down in the waters Mm, i didn't remember that which i was like oh i guess maybe that's the same fish christine saw Mm, so going through those spaces or reading the book after you went through those spaces Mm -hmm. and those passes and those canyons did you find her descriptions accurate and vivid and were you like that's kind of how i saw it too yeah, I mean, th- some things have definitely changed. She mm-hmm. talked about Beatty, or Beatty, Beatty. It's actually in on the Nevada side. Yeah. Um, on the eastern part of the park, and we had traveled through there to, and stopped there to get lunch before going on this off-road drive through, I think Daylight Pass, mm-hmm. and down in this really cool canyon. Anyway. Um, Beatty is now like a, a town with a, with a subway and gas station. Underground and metro system. No, subway. <laughs> no. Sandwich shop. Oh, <laughs> the height of culture. 
but it's and i think it's made a it's 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 probably made its existence off of the death valley national park Mm, now okay but this whole story and their trip was done before the park existed before it was a national monument um it was just an empty expanse on the map that piqued their curiosity yeah that's so interesting that they were drawn to it oh aren't you when you see something i remember seeing like the salton sea yeah on a map and thinking what is that i do that i yes i do that on google earth when i see bodies of water for sure especially in the la area because i'm like i've never seen this we're known for being so dry what's this giant body of water out here yeah and we've gone to some of them. We have. So, the, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm drawn to it, but I don't know that I'm drawn to a big, hot, blank space. They they definitely were. What had been at first merely a casual choice of destination became a fixed goal to be reached through any hazards. Hmm. That's another place that you underlined in the book that I also had marked. Very early on in the book, on page 18, I don't even know who they're talking to. Mr. Merrick said to them, you can do it, he insisted. Mm -hmm. That's how you learn. It was refreshing to meet a man who looked into your feminine eyes and said, you can do it. It made us feel that we had to do it. Yeah, that was nice because up until that point, everyone had said, why do you want to do that? You don't want to go there. You can't go there. That's a death wish. Yeah, it's a I terrible wonder if, place. They, if they were saying that because they were women or because it is like, no, it's terrible. <laughs> it's like a miserable place. And then she goes on to describe it as terrible consistently. I, I think it was probably both. It was probably like, why would anyone want to go there? But also... Why would you want to go there, especially being a woman? It's not a woman-like, lady-like thing to do. Right. And at one point, someone said, no one has ever gone to Death Valley without trying to get something out of it, referring mm. to mining, minerals, borax, etc. Yeah, you don't go there for a vacation. Right. And she kind of responded, well, we are going to get something out of it. We're going to get the experience and the solitude and the stars and the sky and the feeling and the vistas you know yeah that's that an is interesting something. attitude yeah what else you got well there were a few little nuggets of things that i thought were interesting like she talked a little bit about how they were at each other's throats a little oh see i don't remember that at the, all there were a bunch of arguments flip to page 70 you got the book here oh i thought you had it in your hand and this kind of made me i mean this is just a this is just a part of traveling where under tough conditions you start to get irritable oh yeah i've been there but she said, all the time we were in the valley, we argued. And it is to the credit of all three of us that the arguments never degenerated into quarrels. I don't know what the difference between mm. an argument and a quarrel is. Well, it sounds like a quarrel is the next level up. Our nerves were very near the surface. Everything was difficult to do. Packing and unpacking, cooking, shaking the sand out of the blankets, hitching up, getting anywhere, gathering brush for our poor little fires. 
oof, yeah, it was a lot of, it was hard work. And then they, they were caught in a snowstorm at one point, a sandstorm quickly thereafter. And having been in sandstorms recently um, at Death Valley when we were there, I you can, were in a sandstorm. Oh yeah, there mm. was a whipping up the sand, and it was, um, it was crazy because we were in a canyon where we were totally protected, and then we came out, and it was just you couldn't see anything. Ooh, wow, we. Yeah, the visibility was maybe twenty feet ahead of you. It was crazy. Did you have? Were you in the jeep at this point? Yes, ah. and it was very, very windy. Much nicer in a Jeep than next to a wagon. Yeah. I mean, we were there for four nights, and I feel like we really experienced a range of uh, scenarios. It actually rained while Mm -hmm. we were there. And this happened in the book, too, where it rained and snowed, and they said, I thought it was never supposed to rain in Death Valley, and it, but it does rain. Yeah. And that has happened just within the past couple weeks where they've had massive flooding in Death Valley and you can just really see the power of nature in this place. Did it make it more majestic that you were getting all sorts of weather or did it make it unpleasant? I don't know if I would say more majestic. It just, it, it made me realize how unpredictable some of it was because we we were not expecting the rain and the wind um, that came up while we were sleeping in a wash mm-hmm. and um, quickly packed up all of our stuff because we were scared of being swept away in a flash flood. And? And it was fine. Oh, okay. It wasn't that much rain. Yeah. But you never know. Like an inch? You a never know. An inch, an eighth of an inch. I never saw any standing water. <laughs> <laughs> you almost had to blow up your inflatable raft that you brought. The 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 rain really, or the, the ground really must have just sucked it up. But one of the old timers mentioned it in the book that he's seen rain fall and never hit the desert floor. Yeah. And it was mentioned in um, Edward Abbey's Desert Solitaire book too, that happening where it just evaporates before it lands because it's so hot. Uh, I don't think that's what was, I know that's not what happened to us because I felt the rain on us. I felt the rain, you know, coming down on our tent, but. But that was nighttime. But that was nighttime. Okay. So maybe if it had happened during the day, it would have just felt a little cooler. Yeah. So it just feels like you're really, when you're out there, it's you're at the mercy of what's around you and your environment. Like there's no. There's a lot less protection in mm-hmm. terms of what you would nor what would you would have at home where you could, you know, batten the hatches and go inside. Well, I think that's why you go home. I think that's also speaking of home, something she mentioned at one point, the one time that they were camping without water, she talked about mm. how water makes a home. Yes. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. You don't, You know, everybody says four walls and a roof, but really, I guess water is... A whole new appreciation for water. I totally get this part. She said, we had enough for all our needs, yet we never could forget that there was an end to it. So when you know that it's a finite supply, every drop you're thinking about, oh, do I need to use this to wash out 
my cup or can I just deal with a dirty cup tomorrow? Or am I going to need it for survival two days from now? Oh, yeah. Water is their most precious possession when you're out in Death Valley for sure. I don't think I noticed when I was reading it, but after like taking the whole book and I noticed that she was constantly mentioning like the springs along the way. And oh, that yeah. was that became an important kind of benchmark throughout the book as to where their travels were leading them. That that was very much planned, right? So they were trying to always have camp near some sort of water source. Mm-hmm. There were some similarities between this and how she described the desert and how Desert uh, Edward Abbey described the desert Yeah, in Desert Solitaire. Yeah, this idea of the desert being this great expanse and humans being very small in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things. She wrote, truly the earth lives and the sun and the stars, a rhythm beats in them and unites them. They are the drama and the human story is only a scene. Like, it's such a small part of the bigger story. Yeah, I like that. Gives you the feeling of nothingness. Yes. And yes. you're not so important. You can just let it go. Yes. Oh, yeah. And she wrote about that later, too. She probably got back and was like, women's voting rights don't matter. None of this matters. Well... She said, when you are there face to face with the earth and the stars and time day after day, you cannot help feeling that your role, however gallant and precious, is a very small one. This conviction, instead of driving you to despair as it usually does when you have it inside the walls of houses, releases you very unexpectedly from all manner of anxieties. You are frightfully glad to have a role at all in so vast and splendid a drama and want to defend it as well as you can, but you do not trouble much over the outcome because the desert mixes up your ideas about what you call living and dying. You see the dreadful dead country living in beauty and feel that the silence pressing around it is alive. Anyway, that's like... I I had never thought of it like that before, but I get it. You know, when you feel like your life is insignificant and you're at home, like... Uh, surrounded by walls it's depressing but when you are out in the big big world Mm -hmm. and you're made to feel tiny by nature it feels it feels precious it feels like a gift nature feels like a gift and your life that you yeah that you you have even some tiny part to play Ah. yeah but if you're made to feel insignificant by society for example yeah you don't get that same sort of feeling (laughs) the sea of people yeah exactly versus the sea of nature Mm -hmm. that's interesting i wonder why that is because there's a society it's all about clawing your way to the top right yeah well she talked about wanting to go into into nature and into the wilderness to to escape the rat race. Mm-hmm. Whereas nature, there is no top. If you ascend one mountain, there's just another mountain. Ooh. You just go back down in the valley. There's highs and lows. And uh, really, it's just, it doesn't care about you. Yeah. Um, okay, so is there anything else you want to cover here? Um, maybe just, we kind of covered this, but... I thought it was 
interesting how little their gender came into play. Oh, that's something I have under writing style. I said genderless. Yeah, she... Uh, I think she approached it very matter-of-factly. There were a few times, you know, at the beginning when she's talking about wanting to do the trip and in some of their encounters with other people mm-hmm. where the miners or prospectors brought up, oh, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't have dinner with you because you're a lady. and I Oh, two ladies out here in the desert. <laughs> or you should take the shed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, thank you. Please sleep in my clean dirt. <laughs> um, but... Apart from that, there was no, you know, there was no talk about how it may have been more challenging for women than men. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wasn't. I, I don't know. But it was, uh, she, she'd never suggested that they needed any special accommodations. Yeah, I think that made the book feel, or at least the writing style, feel pretty modern. In yeah. that sense, like pretty Timeless. evergreen. Mm-hmm. And because it was genderless. And I think that, again, that goes kind of with the documenting of it as a place rather than saying what her feelings were based on being in that place or what she was right. seeking out more. When When she would talk about feelings, it was more things that anyone would feel the heat the the dry the um you know the temperature and the physical conditions rather than you know i had my period and (laughs) i don't know and it brought the rattlesnakes out (laughs) i thought the some of her best writing and again this goes across Male, female, it doesn't really matter. Everybody can appreciate a good sunset. And she closed a lot of chapters, I thought, very like with some strong descriptions of sunsets Mm -hmm. oftentimes. And yeah, I thought that was some of the best descriptive writing is describing how the light changed and the sun changed or affected the um, from day to night affected the valley. Yeah, I mean, the colors, the colors really are spectacular in Death Valley and the illusions mm-hmm. of space and time. And it it is, it is always changing, even when it's in place, just based on the weather and the environment and the time of day. Yeah, and just thinking about that just now, about how it's constantly changing, you get a lot of different colors within maybe a two-hour period. If somebody told me to write about that or describe it, I think it would be quite a challenge. Oh, really And hard. I think she did a pretty great job of it. Yeah. Would you want to read her next book, The Red Carpet of the Sahara? Not immediately. Yeah. We're not ready to talk about our next book just yet. Okay. Do you want to move on to some of these rapid fire questions? Yeah, rapid fire me. Okay. If Edna was on social media, what picture from her trip would get the most likes? Ooh, I would say probably when they were um, at like one of those big vistas where they, where they were taking in the, the valley from a high point. Mm, okay. At sunset or um 
or Dawn. That was my initial thought, too. Mm-hmm. But then the algorithm also rewards faces. So I think maybe some interesting miners or burrows. Oh, yeah. Or miners with burrows. Uh Uh-huh. And a strong caption. I think that would rake in a lot of likes as well. Well, Kyle, there were actual photos in the book. Provided by the National Park. No, some of their photos. Oh, maybe I missed them. Usually that's my favorite part of the book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Their photos were sprinkled Yeah, but in here. we're doing social media. We're not doing these grainy 1920s photos. I mean, they would have had an iPhone okay, 13 okay. Pro Plus. Next question, Next please. Next question. You're a big fan of the show Alone. Very. And for those people that don't watch Alone, it's where they send people out into the wilderness alone with 10 items. How long do you think Edna would last Mm. On the show alone. How many days? So interestingly, alone has never been in a desert environment. Because they'd probably die. They've done the Arctic. Yeah. Uh, Edna, I think she would probably last two weeks. Two weeks, okay. Not bad, but not great. I don't know what her survival skills are, but she does seem to have a lot of Guts and determination. Seems like she has some tenacity. Right. She didn't talk about like shelter that much, just makeshift shelter. Mm -hmm. She talked about the tent falling apart and being wet a lot um, when when she was in the snowstorm. Yeah. You know what else she never talked about? Not a single time. What's that? Her family. (laughs) and that's something from alone where they're like oh "Oh, i miss my kids i miss my spouse etc etc not once did she even mention her spouse yeah that's true maybe she i mean maybe she's stone cold and would last a much longer time because she doesn't miss anyone maybe well she did have (laughs) maybe she did have charlotte that's true her friend and companion question mark okay who would play Edna in a movie? Oh, 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 I got it. I got it. Um, she was in um, McDowell. No. Uh, McDowell, the movie? No, 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 that's her name. No, Andy no. McDowell? Yes. Wait, what? no, 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 no. Uh, she was in the Nomad movie. Francis McDormand? Yes. Uh, a little old, I think. How old was Edna? 40? 40. Okay. So you just picked the best actress. Okay. Well, Meryl Streep, a young Meryl Streep is who I would pick. I think Meryl just is joking. a little soft. Meryl Streep was not on my list. If you got Edna and Charlotte, you could bring the Broad City ladies in there. <sighs> I might be thinking. Oh, I get that. I might be That's thinking cool. that only because Abby Jacobson is in the League of Their Own reboot. So it's yeah. kind of the same era. She just got married, too. Okay. I thought maybe, maybe Rosario Dawson oh, cool. could play Edna because she seems like... Strong jaw. Well, she she seems like she could be from a wealthy family mm-hmm. yet also be down to travel the desert. Right. And I could see her... In cool hats, too. Yeah. Like pulling off cool desert hats. Lo- big brims. Big brims. Yeah. And then, you know, I waffled on this one. Maybe Emma Stone. 
because she's got a good voice for the desert. Oh, yeah. But she's so pale-skinned. Ooh, dangerous. But that could add comedy, slathering on like SPF throughout the movie. <laughs> Is this a modern take on the... Yes, it's a modern... Okay. No, we're filming this in the 20s. It's a silent film. <laughs> But I'm not sure if it, if in this version of the film it's supposed to be taking place in the 20s. Oh, we'll never know. We got to leave that up to the screenwriters. I don't think this book will ever be made into a movie. So, well, Emma Stone maybe would be more appropriate for the 20s because she looks like an Irish immigrant. Right. I don't know what Edna was, but <laughs> there were a lot of pasty people in the 20s. <laughs> she okay. was an Ohioan. That's all the rapid fire questions. I was going to say, would you do this trip? But you did it. I I mean, I did it in a Jeep. Yeah. That's a modern. I did a modern version of this trip and I would 100% recommend it to anyone. But would you do it for a month? Let's say you had a Jeep. Would you do it for a month? So we met a guy who had been boondocking in Death Valley for about a month. What's boondocking? Boondocking, and he was doing it in a Subaru Outback, I think. Mm-hmm. But boondocking is when you park your vehicle, I think it, it has to be a minimum of two miles off of a paved road. So you're, you're on a dirt road, two miles, park your car and just camp, and you can do that for free. So you can live in the park. Oh, so he was staying at place at locations for maybe a, a multiple days. A couple days. We ran across him when he was also camping at the Wild Rose Canyon um, campground, and it wasn't called that; it was called something else. But and he had been—he really had been all over the park. We compared maps mm-hmm. and highlighted maps of where we had been. And uh, he had been everywhere, including to one place that we didn't make it. And we had tried and gotten a little lost, but we were trying to make it to the hot springs. Oh, okay. Oh. There's a place. Did Edna and Charlotte make it to the hot springs? No. Okay. No. But there's a place that it's it's a hot springs. It's, I think, a, a little bit of a hotel. Anyway. That place looked rad. Oh, okay. And he had been he had been doing this for a month, and also in the kind of win- wintry time. So we went in February, mm-hmm. and that's also when Edna and Charlotte went. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all well, I have to say about that. Would you do it for a month? Oh, for a month. I don't know that it would be tops on my list to do for a month. I think I would get kind of tired of the sun like emma stone i'm quite pasty but maybe if i had a cool hat and a jeep possibly it's a possibility yeah i the thing is there's so much to explore in death valley that you absolutely could spend a month there and not get bored yeah hmm and not get bored yeah and the reason why we went there's always a reason that sparks something, yes. right? Yes, what's the reason? The reason was Katie had read a story about super blooms in Death Valley, and so we were hoping that we would experience a super bloom. Mm-hmm. 
and they're pretty rare. They happen, I think, once every 10 years or something. So it wasn't a super bloom, although we did see quite a lot of wildflowers. Um, but that's that was the that was the kernel, the seed that was planted um, that gave way to our adventure. Great. Yeah, you never know what's gonna spark that curiosity. Right. Okay. So. So. What would you rate the book? Oh. Can you go first? I, uh, yeah, I'll give it a uh, 4.15. 4.15. Nice. Yes, I guess. Yeah, I liked how short it was. I liked the descriptions. It was a pretty easy read. Um, I didn't hate the characters. Didn't even know them. Right. And as far as desert books go, we've read a few desert books and... Yeah, this one was kind of a breeze. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, I think it was really interesting for its time. So giving some credit to it being published in 1922, mm-hmm. I would give it four stars. Okay. Yeah. I can I could go down to four if you want. If you want no, me no, to No, 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 no. If you I, want me to take it down a no, little bit. I don't want to influence take these strong female leads down to I don't want to influence your your score here. 4.15 and a 4. Okay. Solid. What's our next book? Our next book is not a travelogue. Mm-hmm. It is not nonfiction. What it, is it? It is da 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 by Stephen King. It is The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. And it is... What is it? Fiction. It's fiction, yeah. Jeez, you told us all the things it's not. It's fiction. I have honestly no idea what it's about, um, but I think it might be a little creepy since it is by Stephen King. And this is our first fiction. The the connection to the Romer's theme Mm -hmm. is that it takes place in the forest oh yeah and the other connection is it was recommended to us and it was recommended by our good friend liz and it's sitting in the book nook right now so we got to go up and nab it we're on our way maybe it'll come out by halloween Ooh, that's a good goal maybe even sooner yeah okay thanks for listening okay until next time bye Bye. Bye.